How's everybody doing today? Doing good? Excited about the fall? I mean, you might as well be excited because it's coming. Regardless, regardless of what's going on, we can be excited about the fall. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time this fall. We're going to our brand new series today is called "Full of Faith." And so, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at faith and the Scripture. One of the things that my Bible school and one of my Bible school instructors told us is that when we're talking about a specific subject, that we're going to look under every rock, we're going to lift up every branch and understand what it is. So, we're just going to be spending a lot of time this fall talking about faith and what it is and what it isn't and what it smells like and what it sounds like and how it acts and and all these different things. But before we do that, we're also going to be receiving communion today. So if you are joining us online this morning, you can get your elements ready. Just one practical announcement before we jump into our series. Our giving team has let me know. Um, for some of you that give at the giving kiosk, thank God for your generosity. But if you would like a receipt at the end of the year in January, we need your name. We don't know your card number. So even if you've given before and you think, oh, they've got my information on staff, if you give by card at the giving kiosk, if you give electronically, you have to provide your name. But if you're giving at the giving kiosk, please, if you, want, if you don't want a receipt, no problem. Um, but if you would like a receipt uh, in January, please, you need to put your name on that offering envelope so that you can get receipted. You know, it's pretty special for us in Canada that when we give to God, we can pay less taxes. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want to pay less taxes. I don't know. If you do, let's have a chat after service. But (laughs) I want to pay more. No. So please make sure you're putting your name um, on your offering envelope if you would like that receipt. All right. We are going to be looking at faith. We're going to be looking at faith in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. We're going to see how Jesus described faith and how Jesus celebrated faith and what all that would mean for us. The scripture tells us that we should be walking by faith, living by faith. Scripture tells us it's impossible to, impossible to please God without faith. We are saved by grace through faith. So this is a big part of what we do as a church. And so what we're going to do, like I mentioned, we're going to look at what attitudes are characterized by faith. What does it look like? How does it act? Now, faith can be a noun describing the faith. And a lot of times people they're asking you, well, what faith are you? And they'll just mean different world religions. And then even within Christianity, a lot of times well, people will say, well, what faith are you? Meaning what denomination did you grow up? What group are you a part of? Are you part of this group or that group? And what is your faith descriptor? And that is, that is true, a noun that we have that. But then also we need to think of faith as actively trusting God. For his will to come to pass in our lives, I want to, and we should all want to, experience all that God has for us. So not just faith as a noun, not just I am this faith, but that we would be actively trusting God for his will in our lives. It would be a daily thing, not just a Sunday thing, not just a a religious title thing, that God would be actively involved in our lives. And this is going to happen by our trust in him, by us putting faith in him. And then because we have faith in God, because we're putting our trust in God, it conditions everything we do in life. So not just having a nominal faith, 
that I, you know, I'm some sort of denomination. I remember there was a, a movie I watched, I don't know, it was late 80s, early 90s or something. And this, this group was like an, a movie about, about a bunch of Irish Jews or something. And um, they were discussing, you know, being Catholics because these are a lot of times synonymous, you're Irish or Catholic for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, they were saying to his dad, well, dad, you don't even believe in God. And he's like, well, it doesn't mean I can't be a good Catholic. <laughs> now, I'm not just picking on the Catholics today. That could be true of anybody, that we could just have some sort of nominal faith, have some sort of descriptor as like, oh, I'm a this, but we don't want to be, we don't want to be nominal. We want to be actively trusting God. And then because we put our trust in him, that it conditions everything and nothing is separate from our faith in God, that God is able to speak into every area of my life. And then in every area of my life, I can be actively trusting God for his will to come to pass in my life. The, the jumping off verse for us in this series, that reason we've called it full of faith is because of this guy, Stephen here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter six, verse eight says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So what was true about Stephen? He was full of faith. And then what happened? He did great wonders and signs among the people. That God did many works through Stephen. And then we see in the middle of this paragraph that people disputed with Stephen. Because he was talking about Jesus. And then verse 10 said they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So Stephen... Being full of faith was a carrier of the power of God and wisdom because he had put his trust in God. Not either or, not one or the other, but both and. That the the describer of somebody who is full of faith is actively seeing the power of God at work in our lives. And then also, in conjunction with that, not being left out and not that only, wisdom. Being able to speak with wisdom because we've put our faith in God, our trust in God, allowing God to speak into every area of our lives. Now, as we were singing today, it was so great that our team, and I I need to do better a lot of times at telling our team what I'm preaching on specifically, but they nailed it today. We're actually going to be talking about the faithfulness of God, and Annie read one of the verses already uh, that I'm going to be reading this morning. But the reason we can have faith is because we have a faithful God. The reason that faith is a powerful thing is because God is a powerful God. Faith in and of itself is not necessarily a powerful thing, just like the idea of prayer. It's like, well, you know, prayer is powerful. Yes, but the reason prayer is powerful is because we're praying to a powerful God. Prayer in and of itself is just communicating with God. But if we were communicating to nothing, it wouldn't be powerful. So faith is a powerful thing because we are connecting and putting our trust in the powerful God. The object of our faith is God. And this is why, this is why faith is so important. God is powerful. Three descriptors of God, theological descriptors of God of who he is, is that he's omniscient. In other words, he is all-knowing. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all of the time. And then he's omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. And when we put our trust in him, we experience these things, that God is all-knowing. And when we're 
putting our faith in him, we have access to knowledge beyond just what I can know and understand. That I want, when we think about God, God knows the end from the beginning. So he has all knowledge and all wisdom. And when we rely on him, he can direct our path. Omniscient, all-knowing. And when we put our faith in him, we have access to a measure. We're not going to have access to all the knowledge of God, and we're going to have access to the knowledge of God that he reveals to us and gives to us. But when we put our faith in the powerful, all-knowing God, that we can experience the knowledge of God, something that we couldn't experience on our own, omnipresent, that he is everywhere all the time. And when we are putting our faith in him, our trust in him, that he can carry us through. And this is why we need to be excited about the fall. (laughs) Listen, I live in the same world you do, the same real world you do with all of the craziness and all of the bills and all of the interest rates and all of the stuff. And I watch the same news as you do. But what we need to know is that God is gonna be present with us regardless. Regardless of what's going on, I put my trust in him He is present with me on the mountaintop and in the valley. He's with me. So we can be excited about the future. Not that everything is going to be perfect in our future. It isn't. But God will be with us. And when we put our trust in him, we experience that presence. We know that God is with us, comforting us, helping us, giving us the wisdom from his omniscience. And then the last one, omnipotent all-powerful, that we're putting our trust in God. And then we would have access to power that we wouldn't have as finite created beings. That the all-powerful God, as we would see with Stephen, did great signs and wonders. Not that Stephen was anything great. He was just somebody like you and me. And in fact, in the very next chapter, Stephen was martyred. He wasn't impervious to rocks being thrown at him and the rocks were thrown at him and he died because he was proclaiming the gospel. But access to the power of God, the all-powerful God. And when we put our faith in him, we put our trust in him, we're expecting his power to be a part of our lives. Faithfulness of God. Now listen, when we think about faithfulness, God is consistent, he's loyal, he's true, his nature, and his word, having the character of one who can be relied on. And I know I've asked you this question before, but it's so important to say is like, do you know a faithful person? Do you know a person that when they tell you they're gonna meet you at a certain time, mark it down, they will be there or they'll be there early. This is true of my dad. My dad is all about being early. And my dad is like, if you're not early, you're late. The other day, um, on Labor Day, we were all getting together for breakfast, family breakfast on Labor Day. And we were in our family chat. We were trying to pick a time. We're like 10 o'clock or 9.30. This is a really important discussion in our family chat. Me and my sister and her husband and me and Nicole, my parents. And then when we decided upon 9.30, my mother said, Oh, goodness, my dad will have me up at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> Getting ready for 9.30 breakfast. I mean, it's not like they're doing a lot of other things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and sure enough, we all showed up at 
they had left their condo at like five to nine and it's under five minutes to the restaurant. <laughs> they wanted to make sure they were going to get a table for all of us. They're there, just mark it down. They weren't going to be late and they were going to be there faithful. And this is who God is way beyond any human because humans are going to fail us eventually. And then all of the humans we know, they're not going to be around forever, but God will be around forever and for all time. And we can trust him. We can put our faith in him. This is why faith is powerful because we're putting our trust in a faithful God, consistent, loyal, true faith in a faithful God. And this is what we would build our lives on. This is why faith is so important, that we're building our lives on this foundation of God and his word, God and what he says. God and what he does, God and his power, foundational, build our lives on faith, faith in God, not just faith alone, but faith and trust in God. And this is different than putting our faith in just secular ideas. This is why I I keep bringing this out because in the world today, in culture today, there's just a bunch of ideas, wrong ideas, bad ideas. And people just put their faith in those ideas. Well, I trust this, or I trust this, I trust this news reporter, I trust this politician, or I just trust this idea without finding the source of that idea. Well, I just, I just believe that. Well, why do you believe that? Well, I don't know. People just say it. Well, why did they say it? Well, I don't know why they said it, but I just believe it. And that's a shaky foundation. But God wants us to build our lives on him. Not just ideas, not just things, but our faith is in him, the faithful God. See, faith is this go-between, between you and something else. And so we are, there's us and our faith, and on the other side of our faith, again, we want it to be God, not just some sort of foundationless idea, building our lives on something that is so important. So faith, to describe it, just means the conviction of the truth of anything. I have faith. A person or an idea. A conviction based on what you have heard. Faith is a firm persuasion. And what our faith is in is in God. And again, this is not just empty ideas, that we could see the life and ministry of Jesus and we could see what God is like. We talked about this last week. We could see what God is like. And so we put our faith in him. It's not a mystery what God is like. We know what he's like. And so this is why we trust him. Our faith is not just a leap into nothingness. Some people say, well, it's just a leap of faith. In other words, I don't actually know what I'm stepping out on. No, in a sense, I understand what they're meaning. But faith in God is not like that. Faith is we actually know his character. He is trustworthy. We can put our trust in him. He's eternal. And so I have a firm persuasion. I have a faith in who God is. Scripture tells us and shows us that he is faithful. 2 Timothy 2, as Annie read this morning, verse 11 The saying is trustworthy, for if we had died with him, we also would live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
Have you ever been faithless? Let me answer for you. Yes, all of us have. But the whole time when we were faithless, he was faithful. Just there, waiting, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, full of love, waiting for us to put our faith in him as we did other stuff. And we put our faith in other ideas and our faith in other experiences. He remains faithful. This is why, again, I emphasize, we're we're not putting our faith in a person. We're putting our faith in God. We trust him. He is the eternal one. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. So just pause there for a second. None of us should think that we have unique problems. Because if you think you have unique problems, you're kind of putting yourself in this special category of I cannot be helped. But the scripture is telling us here that the things that, that overtake us sometimes is just common to men. Everybody has gone through something similar to you than what you're going through right now. God is faithful is the next line. God is faithful. And he will not let you tempted, be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So come what may this fall, what is God providing for us? God is providing for us a way of escape because the stuff we're going to face is common to man. These are things that people go through. So, but God is faithful. And what is he providing for us? What is the provision from God, from the faithful God? The way of escape. Don't you like the escape route? Don't you want to know the way out of the valley? We're we're not supposed, listen, we're all going to be in a valley, but don't, languish in the valley pretending you have special problems. You just are facing the stuff that people face. What should we be looking for from the faithful God? The way of escape. God is faithful to provide the way of escape. So we're looking for it, right? Why would we be looking for the way of escape? Because God is faithful. He's true to his word. Amen. Isaiah 25 verse 1 Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. God is faithful. Perfect, perfect faithfulness comes from God. So God has a plan for our lives. This is what God does. God is a planner. God is getting ready. Our problem is our perception of time, right? Because we want everything right now, right now, like right now today. But God is planning things in our lives and he brings things at the right time. Are you here this morning? The right time. You know, we're here in our church building and, uh, you know, from the, from the time that my parents, you know, started to trust God for a new church building. And I, I, can't, I don't have time to give the full story right now. It was, it was approximately 20 years. And we went and looked at 
lots of church, lots of buildings. Let me tell you, a lot. We went to a lot of buildings. At each building, we're like, maybe this could be the one. Why? Because we wanted it right then. We wanted it right now. But then we found this building, everything worked out in the right time. Everybody say the right time. And the right time is the time that God knows, right? Is the time that God provides. See, we can get in a rush and we're gonna read a story here at the end about that and try to do our own thing, try to make stuff happen. But God is the one that is the perfect planner and he's doing this wonderful things in his faithfulness. And because we have a faithful God, simply put, we should live by faith in him. Romans 1, 16 says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, which means everybody. For the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is from, by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. As my dad used to say, when are you living? All of the time. So what are we supposed to be doing all of the time, living by faith? Because we are in this relationship with God, every part of our lives should be lived by faith in him. Again, just those those three simple things, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience. So that if we know who God is in all of these areas, why would we want to live any day separated from any of those things? thinking I could just do it on my own. No, let's live by faith in God. This is how the righteous are called to live. Not just faith in ideas, not just faith in stuff, but faith in him, that I'm putting my trust in God. Galatians chapter two, the book of Galatians is all about putting your faith in God or faith in Jesus versus putting our faith in the law or the Mosaic law. Galatians 2, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that the person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, but because of the law, no one will be justified. But if our endeavor is to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners in Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's read verse 20 again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in the body that I have, I live by faith in the Son of God. Living by faith in God the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. So when we go into the fall, 
we have the advantage of knowing God, come what may. The life that I'm living in the flesh, putting my trust in God. God, I trust you with this. I believe you. I know that your power is active in my life. I don't want to be like Stephen, full of faith, where I see your power manifest in my life and I'm able to have your wisdom. Two very necessary and important things. Living by faith in God. And we see here that this righteousness that we have is something that we receive by faith. And here is one simple principle as we finish today before we receive communion. We receive by faith what God gives us through his grace. Something that faith does is it receives. So we receive the righteousness of God by faith. Why? Because God gives it to us, right? A simple salvation message, right? We're saved by grace through faith. So how do we access the grace of God? We believe it. So we receive salvation by faith because God gives it to us. Such an important notion. Here we're going to look at Sarah and Abraham real quickly. Hebrews 11, and we're going to be in and out of this chapter all fall because this has the great hall of faith um, in the New Testament describing the Old Testament saints and what they did. Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive, even when she was past age. Since she considered him faithful, who promised. So what did Sarah do? She was beyond childbearing years. And what was the consideration in her mind? Now, it's easy, obviously, to look at your physical situation. And Sarah was about 90 years old, and we're going to see some details here in a second. And it was a very specific purpose for Sarah and Abraham to fulfill the covenant. And again, I would say this is not a promise in general to 90-year-old women. All right, I keep telling my parents, listen, it's over for you too. If there's a deal, I'm not babysitting, okay? There's a very specific thing here for Abraham and Sarah. But the consideration, the principle is true, that they had a word from God, a, a promise from God. And there was a circumstance to look at the condition of her body. But then what did Sarah do? She considered him faithful who promised. The faithful God made a promise and what he said is true. And we have to count the words of God true in our lives. That I just, I trust you. I'll leave the timing up to you, but I'm gonna trust you. And see the timing For Abraham and Sarah, from when they were called out to when they got to this spot where they were, she was about to conceive Isaac was about 25 years, a little less than 25 years. And it's just, it's like a really long time and and I'm getting older and it's less and less likely that I'm going to have a child. But in the midst of those circumstances, what did Sarah do? She considered him faithful who promised Genesis 18, and Barb, you can come on up and play. Genesis 18, 
verse nine says this. So this is the interaction that Abraham had with, with God about 25 years again, a little less than that, before the initial call, the initial promise, and then Sarah and Abraham, about 10 years into their journey, there was the whole Hagar incident and, and Ishmael was born and God was like, no, this is not the child of the covenant. So they made mistakes. And this is what's great that we will see in the scripture. I, I'm hopeful that you see this. The people that lived by faith in the scripture, they weren't superhumans. They were people who'd made mistakes and messed up big time and doubted God. But eventually they put their faith in God, their trust in God, just like us. Genesis 18, nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. The way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, talking about Abraham, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I deed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So I was like, listen, I'm hearing this promise that you're making, but it just seems impossible. What is the answer? Is anything too hard for the Lord? She considered him faithful who promised. So here is this, this moment where Sarah is struggling to believe what God is saying. Has anyone ever been there? Time passes and things go on. And it just seems like it's delayed after delay after delay. And we can get ourselves in a difficult spot. And this is where Sarah was like, she was laughing at the promises of God. But something happened between this moment and these verses here in Genesis 21 verse one, it says, the Lord visited Sarah as she had, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken him, Abraham called the name of the son who was born, who Sarah born him, Isaac. And what happened between the, I laughed at the promise of God and here this moment where Hebrews eleven eleven tells us, she considered him faithful who promised. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, again, we can put our faith in, it's not gonna happen, right? Things go on and we're just like, well, I guess I'll just give up. We can put our faith in that. We could put our faith in that the delay is just too long. But I think the, the response from God for the promises that he gives us, are, is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah considered him faithful who promised. And finally this, before we receive communion together, 2 Corinthians verse 18, sorry, chapter one, verse 18, says this, and surely as God is faithful, 
a word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Who is this? Who's in him we're talking about? In Jesus. All of the promises of God in Christ are yes. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. So we say amen to the promises of God because the promises of God in Christ are yes. They're not yes and no. They're yes. And when we utter amen, what are we saying? For those of you who've been around church, what does amen mean? So be it. So my faith says about the promise that the faithful God makes, so be it in my life. And that is an expression of faith. I'm putting my faith in the faithful, trustworthy, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God. He is faithful who promised. Let's receive communion together today. The elements are there underneath the seat in front of you. If you are on the first row, it's by the leg of your chair. If you're visiting with us today and you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to receive communion with us, but nobody has to feel pressure today to receive communion with us. Instructions there, you can open up that top cellophane piece. Just hold the wafer in your hand and I'm gonna read you a couple of verses here from the book of Luke. It says, and he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Jesus wants us to be reminded of him. Scripture tells us in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, by his stripes, we are healed. Now, what is, what is the stripes referencing? When Jesus was whipped, before he went to the cross, the, the blood uh, showed through on his back. The stripes that Jesus took on his back before he went to the cross to us represent healing, that his body was broken so our body can be healed. He said to do this in remembrance of me. So let's just pray today. God, we, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. And we are reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that Jesus was famous for healing. So God, we just open up ourselves to you today. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power. We receive your healing power just like Sarah received the power to conceive by considering you faithful. So God, we know that you are a faithful God today. So we just open ourselves up to your power today. We thank you, Lord, that you are omnipresent, that you are here with us in this moment. We receive your power today. God, I just pray, Lord, for anyone in here today who's suffering from a broken heart. Lord, you say that you can bind up broken hearts. So I just pray, Lord, for someone in here this morning whose emotions have gone through the ringer and just suffering from a broken heart. God, we thank you that you heal broken hearts today. That your power, your presence is here with us in this moment. We receive your power today, Lord.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can open up the bottom portion. Then he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He wants us, as we hold this and as we drink this today, he wants us to remember, scripture tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. That we are not righteous on our own. That we are not forgiven just on our own goodness and our own merits. That God is a merciful for God. He forgives sins. So as we hold this today and we remember Jesus, Jesus was famous for forgiving sins when he was here on the earth. That we never wanna run away from God. We always want to run to God because he's always extending us his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And it's because of his forgiveness that we can stand in his presence today. So let's just pray. God, we thank you for your love today. We thank you for your forgiveness. We receive your grace today, afresh and anew. We thank you, Lord, that you are washing away our sin, that you have washed away our past. We are so thankful for the righteousness you give. We thank you that you forgive sins, all of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together. Before we finish the service this morning, just one more thing before we go. If you are here this morning and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never put your ultimate faith in him for your today and for your eternity. I'm gonna pray out a prayer here in a second. And this prayer is for you to maybe pray along with us if you've never said yes to Jesus, the gospel, the good news story about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, that God just offers to us the gift of righteousness, the gift of a relationship with himself. So if you don't have that relationship today, I invite you to pray along with us. Or maybe you're here this morning, you feel like, well, I I used to know God and I, I just really feel distant from God this morning. You know, God is not mad at you this morning for whatever the reason is that you are distant from God this morning. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, we're all gonna pray this out loud praying it with somebody who may be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, come on, let's celebrate with those who made that decision for the first time today. We're so excited that you made the decision. 
So if that was you, if you just made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you just rededicated your life to him, we want to encourage you just to take the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, check off that box that says, I have decided to follow Jesus and turn it into our info desk. Uh, You have just started a journey living a life full of faith, kind of like Pastor Brent was talking about uh, this morning. And we are so excited just to partner with you in that. Our team will be there ready to give you uh, some resources on your new journey of faith. Hey, City Church, are you excited that you came to church to kick off fall season together this morning? It's so great to see you. Why don't you all stand up as we get ready to go? Just want to remind you of a couple of announcements this morning. If you uh, have recently started attending the City Church, if you're new or newer here, want to invite you to come back after the 11 a.m. service for Meet the Staff. Uh, Just get more connected, more plugged in, uh, meet some cool people. I'm part of the staff team, so I can say I'm cool, all right? Come meet us, come hang out with us. We'd love to get you more connected. That's happening after the 11 a.m. service, so grab a bite to eat or double dip at the 11 a.m. service, and then we'll see you there. As well, just want to remind you that tonight at 6 p.m. We have a worship and prayer service happening. Uh, It's always a good time just to intentionally carve out some time. So go grab dinner with your family and then come back for a family-friendly service. It's about an hour. We just go after it together. It's always such a powerful time. All right. Last but not least, if you uh, came to church hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, some of our church leaders, they're making their way down to the front of the stage right now. Once I dismiss you in a couple of moments, feel free to come up to any one of them. They'd be more than happy to pray with you this morning. All right, City Church, thank you so much for being with us. We invite you to come back tonight again at 6, or we'll see you next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Have a great week living a life full of faith. Bye.